Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. That time of the year where every family is going to be sitting at the table together. And I don't know about you, but you can, you can literally uh, have the best conversations you need to at the table. Because, number one, you ever sit down with someone and their heart's open to what you're about to eat and they're kind of relaxed and it's a moment where you can just have a heart-to-heart sometimes. Some of the best conversations I've had were over the dinner table. But there are other times in the family where I'll simply tell everyone, hey, uh, come to the kitchen, let's talk. We have to talk about some things. We have to discuss some matters that's going on in the family or take care of some issues and we call them family meetings that happens at the table too so what we're going to be doing this series is talking about discussions families should have about God and as a family today we're both all of us are here to have and talk about Jesus and what can we take from church today that can really build our lives and give us stronger families strong families are I'm tell you They're not a dime a dozen in America right now. But to have a strong family in America is a great thing. Do you know what a strong church is? Really, a strong church is comprised of strong families. That's that's really what it is. If you want a strong church, then build strong families. And we are the family of God. And so some of the topics we're going to be discussing, I think that every family ought to have with their family. And it may seem um, at times that you know some of these things, but how many of you know that you need reminders in your life, reminders of who God is, reminders of where you come from, to remind your children, to embed them. In fact, in the scripture, uh, God told Moses, I want you to tell every one of them to to post this law, these laws upon their their walls and and, and doorposts. And I want you to teach them to your children and, and have these discussions so they don't forget who they are. How many of you know who you are this Sunday morning in Jesus? How many of you know who he is? How many of you are thankful that he called you and chose you and forgave you? And so it's a good thing. So John chapter 14, verse 6 through 9 says this. And Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Can you repeat that after me? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Good enough. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, they really didn't understand the, the, the phrase and the wording that Jesus gave. But then, then Philip opens his mouth and says to him in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and it will... Uh, and it is sufficient for us. It will be sufficient. Uh, that's really all we need, Lord. We'll believe you as long as you show us the Father. And so Jesus looked at him and he said to him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. Now this was the Father speaking through the Son. This was God in flesh talking to Philip. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He 
who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? A very important statement here. So many people ask me, and I've heard this said, they get confused and in prayer and how can and who do they pray who should they pray to should i pray to the father should i pray to the son should i pray to the holy people don't really they get lost in their theology and their thoughts and and emphatically the scripture begins to tell us that the father the eternal spirit the god of all creation was is glorified through his son jesus christ and so everyone wants a sign everyone wants a witness everyone wants to know but Jesus simplified it right here and said, hey, don't look around. Look at me. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This Sunday morning, the subtitle to the message is this. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Turn to your neighbor and tell them he is the rock of all ages. Come on, tell them he is Alpha and Omega. Come on, tell them he's the beginning and the end. And then tell him this. Turn to somebody else and tell them this. But he's more than this, my friend. But he's more than this, my friend. Now, somebody give him a hand clap today. Come on, somebody. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you. I don't know what's going to happen today. This is, a, this is a good subject today. This is the candy stick of Christianity. So turn to your neighbor one more time and tell him anything can happen today. Don't get scared. Anything can happen today. Amen. Now, somebody shout amen. You can be seated this Sunday morning. Ah, you can't help but get excited to talk about Jesus. Well, you know, we were going to set up a prop, and we were going to do the, the, the table prop, and I was going to call up some of our friends ahead of time, and, and maybe they can set up some chairs up here, and we can have a table discussion. And I told my son, I said, no, son, don't, don't do that, because this topic I'm going to be talking about is going to be hard to sit down on. Uh, you can't help but get excited when you really know and understand who Jesus is. It is so many times in the Bible, uh, people missed it and missed him. The scripture says he came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. He was a light that shined in darkness. Even the prophets wrote about him and said that there was going to be a light that shines in Bethlehem, which is the darkest of many cities. And he said, even in there, there's going to be hope. And so Jesus came into a dark world. And by dark, I mean their, their thought processes. When you look at light in the Bible and you begin to see what light is associated with, light is actually associated with thinking, revelation, understanding. Uh, David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But when Jesus came into the world, he came in, as John says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Someone say truth. So Jesus was coming as the expressed image of God in the earth and the truth was being released as he lived. Every time Jesus walked and everywhere Jesus went, he was fulfilling a prophecy within the scripture. And Jesus walked on this world and he did things that no other man could do. He, he did things that no one else could even fathom to do, to know how to have favor with God to the extent that he did. They couldn't identify him 
He even asked his disciples at one point, and he said, who do men say that I am? And so they, they began to describe him as a, uh, a prophet, uh, just another man. And the disciples said to him, some say you were Elijah. Um, some say that you're, you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. But he said, who, who do you say that I am? And then they said to him, Peter said, well, well Lord, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he said, well said, well said, Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. That rock was the revelation. Prior to that, he said, flesh and blood didn't tell you that, but the Spirit of God did. And I'm going to build my church on that experience, the revelation of knowing who I am. And the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against it. Now, if you look at the Bible a little bit closer, you're going to think that gates, would, you know, gates didn't come alive and start fending off hell. The, the gate, when it mentions gates in the Scripture, is really the place of meeting, the place of organization, a place of business within the city. They met at the gates of the city. And that's where council was taking place, and they would try to come up with everything necessary to provide for the city, to protect the city, and leaders would come and counsel. But what Jesus was saying was, there is no plan that hell can come up with. There is no strategy that the devil can come up with. There is no device that hell can come up with that can defeat this one revelation that I am not just a man, but I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon that concept and that thought and that truth, I'm going to build a church and somebody look at someone else and tell them, that's you, you're the church. In other words, I'm going to build a strong group of people. I'm going to bring them together in such a fashion that hell's going to be intimidated by this group of people. They're going to believe one thing, and that one thing is that they know that I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Messiah the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega. Somebody get with me. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb that was slain for all nations, the wheel in the middle of our wheel, the sweet rose of Sharon. Am I keep, can I keep on going? The river of life that flows from our belly. I'm telling you, he's the bright and the morning star. I wish I had a church that was awake this morning. Cafe, if you don't mind, can you pass out some coffees? He is more than just a man. Some described him as a prophet. Others said he was just a vessel. I've heard people try to describe Jesus just as being same, some man and put him on the same platform as, as, as Muhammad, Buddha. Even Mahatma Gandhi. They labeled him as just a prophet. He wasn't just a a prophet. Number one, he was the prophet of prophets. God used him more from just redemption. He fought off death, hell, and the grave for you and I. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelt within him bodily. It is impossible to get the omnipotent 
presence, omniscience, and potency of God and place it within one vessel. That wasn't what he was referring to. But the fullness of the Godhead was, was actually referring to uh, not, the quant- not, not the quantity of God, but the quality of God. Every attribute that was in God, everything that was in the Godhead now is now being expressed through Jesus Christ in the earth. So when he walked on water, it was nothing more than a fulfillment of what was in the Old Testament where David said that he treadeth upon the waters. And whenever he was there and, 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 and he said that they looked at him while he was getting water from the well and, and they, they recognized that he was standing there comparing himself to Abraham and, and saying that Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. And they looked at him and said, you're not even 50 years old and how do you know who Abraham is? Have you seen him before? You're not that old. And he looked at them and he said and referenced himself in this that Moses was referenced by and said, before Abraham was, I am. He had no problem identifying himself as God, the Son of God. He had a close relationship with the Father. He was in the bosom of the Father. He tried explaining this one time to the disciples in John 14 and 15, and he said, you got to believe and you have to know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. We're one with each other. And and just like that, you're going to be one with me also. And without me, you can do nothing. And so we tied it all in together. And what Jesus had with the Father, we now have with Jesus also. But the name that he gave us was passed on, which inherited leave, if you will, that was the name that we inherited And that name has a great legacy. The name of Jesus was given to to flesh. And it was the glory of God was robed in frailness. And it was fragile around an earthen vessel, within an earthen vessel. (laughs) And here we look at that vessel walking on the earth. And every time he would walk upon demons or step up on their territory, it seemed that they would recognize who he was. They would bow down and give him obeisance, or they would reverence him, and they would say to him, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy, and what are you doing here before our time? They recognized who he was. When he walked in, the scripture says, and he prayed for the sick people, the Bible says emphatically, in most occasions, he healed them all. He healed them all. What God was doing through Jesus was establishing the name, giving authority to that name. And when it was done, and the price was paid in full, and the, and the lamb that was given to all of us for the forgiveness of sin, the one that was wounded for our transgressions, the one that was bruised for our iniquity, the one whose took the chastisement of our peace. The one in whose stripes we are healed went from the cross to the grave, defeated the devil and death, kicked down the doors to the corridors of hell, took back the keys, came up out of the grave, prophesied his own resurrection, and not just that, but 40 days ministering to his disciples to boot. After being resurrected from the dead, 
he spent 40 days with his disciples. And he began to teach them. And he told them, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to, raise, to be raised again on the third day. He said that remission of sins should be preached in his name, beginning in Jerusalem. In his name. See, that name offends a lot of people, guys. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't believe it, try praying in public in Jesus' name. Try standing and saying that name. and It's a contradiction. Some say it's politically incorrect. This is the conversation I would have with my kids and I have with the church family. We're all talking about it today. And the word for you today is this. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Only Jesus is our refuge. Only Jesus is the answer. The only way is through Jesus. The only way is through Jesus. See, we need to talk about these things today. Some of you are questioning because you've been watching too much Oprah. Yeah, I know all about it. You're watching too much of what Tyler Perry's doing right now. Don't worry about Tyler Perry. Let him do what he's going to do. Don't worry about everybody else and what they believe. As for you and your house, you got to serve the Lord. Somebody has to tell your children that Jesus is the way. Don't believe everybody else when they tell you you can find peace through Hinduism. Muhammad. Hare Krishna. I don't care. Get mad at me. It's only through praising him. It's only when somebody really, really honestly, let me just tell you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus did. I'm, I embrace it. I declare it. I don't have to go on top of, of somebody's soapbox and with a megaphone and try to make the world believe it and scream out to the top of my lungs and tell them what I believe. I just have to live what I believe. I just have to love what I believe. I just have to do what the Bible says to do, and I live it out. See, we walk it out. We work it out. We live it out. We begin to express it out. And see, this is where it really boils down to. Who are we dependent on for our salvation? Who are we dependent on upon our salvation? I take a stance and I, I simply say this, you know. If you're not standing on the rock, you're standing on quicksand. See, let me, let me read you something. Many times in the scripture, even the prophet Isaiah put this and Isaiah 43 and 11 says this. I'm going to build on this one thing about Jesus, him being the Savior and him, him being the only one we can go to. He wasn't just a man, folks. He was God in the flesh. He was the Son of Man. He was the Son of God, referred to as the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He had many, many uh, names or taglines that went with his description of how he lived his life and what he did. But ultimately, he was Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And Isaiah wrote this and said this of God, God speaking himself and saying, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. This was God speaking through Isaiah. So many times, numerous times, the Spirit of God began to say this to the prophet. He'd say, 
and there is no other God besides me. Go read it. Go read it in Isaiah. He declared it. Jehovah God would speak through this at that moment. That was to the Hebrew nation. That was God, Yahweh, speaking to the prophet. And beside me, there is no Savior. This is why there was a problem when Jesus came on the earth. This is why. Because when Jesus came on the earth, in one instance, before he healed somebody, he forgave somebody. He did. He walked into a house one time. When he walked into the house, he saw the lame man there. And he told the lame man, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were upset with him. Watch this. Watch this. Luke 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 21. Turn with me there. If you, if you got it, Luke chapter 5. Throw it on the screen. Here we go. And the scribes and the Pharisees, this is that scripture. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemy? Blasphemy is what they called it because he said, I for, your, your sins are forgiven you. And they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? Why did they say that? Because they read Isaiah. They knew the words. They referenced what God could only do when Jesus came. They called him a blasphemy. They called him a man who would blaspheme God, a man who would disrespect God. God, a man who put himself in a position to try to act himself as God. And what they didn't understand was there was going to be the coming one who would say and make himself equal with God and it not be a sin because he was God in the flesh. He was the expressed image of the Father to the world. He was the Son of God. He wasn't just anybody. He was blood. And so much he wasn't afraid to tell Philip, Look, look, Philip, you want to see the Father? Look at me. He looks just like me. No man, the Scripture says, has seen God at any time. That's what the Scripture says. No man has seen God at any time. Moses talked about this. Moses referred to this at one time, and Moses wanted to see the face of God. And, and so God told Moses, you know what, Moses? It's too strong for you, uh, but I'll let you see the hinder parts of me of who I am. And so he said, Moses, go get in the cliff of the rock. Hide there. I'm going to pass over. I'm going to let you see me. And so the Bible says that he got in the cliff of the rock. And he got there and God passed over. And he allowed Moses to see the hinder parts of God. Now, it's not like showing your behind, right? Me and Moses, look, there I am. <laughs> That's not what he was saying. But if you look at the scripture a little bit closer, when God reveals himself, he either reveals himself through revelation, through the word of God, or through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's amazing to me, now you go do the study, but it's amazing to me, Moses was the only one who got the past of God right. He was able to write down from creation, day one to day seven, and get it all right. Moses got sight of God and saw the past of God is what that meant. What I believe it, you go do the study. But when God reveals himself to us in the New Testament, he decided to go through one point, and that is through Jesus Christ. You want to know everything about me? Don't go on the cliff of the rock. Go, go to the chief cornerstone. Go to the rock himself, Jesus Christ. Hide yourself in Jesus. 
Because, you see, Moses couldn't see God because of his holiness and his deity and majesty. No one could see God. It would be, you would be destroyed. So God had to create a barrier. And then he had told them to create animal sacrifices. And only one man can go into the glory of God. And they even had to tie a rope around the high priest in case God struck them. If he did something wrong, they would have a chance to pull him out. So that was the ritual. But now, Jesus, the scripture says, came as our high priest. That one man who would walk into the holy place, not only, here's the powerful thing, not only was Jesus the high priest, but Jesus was also the sacrifice and the lamb. And he walked into the presence of God. And now when God looks at us, all he can see is the blood from the lamb. All he can hear is the voice of the high priest. You see, the Bible says that the spirit inside of you makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. You know who that is? That's Jesus Christ, your high priest. Someone say Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and tell them Jesus was more than just a man. He was more than just a man. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I going too fast? If this is all right, say give me some more. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So now, I like that. And so now, now, what the religious world had a problem with now, we fully accept because more people accept it. Right? It's easy to worship God and it's easy to love on Jesus when everybody in here loves Jesus, right? Isn't it easy to love Jesus when everyone else is loving Jesus? Isn't it easy to lift your hands when everyone else is lifting their hands? But do you have the same kind of faith to carry out there when you're by yourself and no one else around you believes? That's what we have to remember. That's when, it really, that's when you really find out how strong your faith is. That's what separates the boys from the men. Or the men from the boys. From the ladies to the little girls. It separates us all. Ah. But when you understand that there's no other way except through Jesus, and you're not confused because you're thinking, oh, who do I call on? Listen, the Father established a name that was above every name. And when you've got to go to God, you go to Jesus. He is the answer. The scripture says we, watch this. Uh, let me just tell you, point number two, let me just tell you, you'll always have an advocate. That's what you have to remember. You always have an advocate. 1 John 2 and 1 says this. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if any sin, but if you mess up, but if you make a mistake. How many of you make mistakes every day? I do. I make mistakes every day. If you ain't making mistakes, you're probably not doing anything. You know, and how about them Astros, by the way? Talking to my son about Babe Ruth. My son was doing a report on Babe Ruth, and I just threw my little two cents in. I don't know much about him, but I do know this. He was known for his home runs, but he was also known for having more strikes than home runs. Am I right? Got baseball people in here. You will always have more mistakes than you will success. 
a, first, a person who makes mistakes falls down or whatever uh, know, really knows how to live life. I want to talk to somebody that knows how to live life when I'm in trouble. Don't bring me anybody in my life. If I'm in trouble and I have a special need, I want to speak to somebody who's been through the same thing I have and has overcome. Sometimes it's hard to find that person, right? But listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. And Jesus, who was tempted in the same manner that you and I have been tempted, he overcame. He knows how to live this life. He knows what you're going through. He's been through more than what you've been through. He's been through rejection. He's been through opposition. He's been through all, he's had haters in his life. More than he can account for probably, and more than you and I can account for. But this is the point. There's nothing that Jesus went through that you haven't gone through yourself. Amen. Nothing. And he's your advocate. That's why the scripture says, we have not another high priest who can be moved by the feelings of our infirmities. Nobody can feel you like Jesus can. Nobody can feel you like Jesus can. You feel sad? He feels you. No one understands you? He understands you. He's more than just a man, folks. He wasn't just a prophet. He was a son of God. He was made to make intercession for you and I. He said he'd never leave you or forsake you. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Honestly, you need to. He said he'd never leave you or forsake you. And so he said, if you do fall, if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He didn't say we had many advocates. He didn't say you have the Victoria advocate. He said you have an advocate. One mediator. An advocate is what a lawyer does. You don't have a lawyer... Don't worry. Yes, you do in Jesus Christ. He'll stand in your defense. He'll be there for you when everyone else is pointing the finger and saying you're guilty. Jesus stands in the middle and says he's been set free by the blood. He's been set free by the blood. You call him guilty, I call him free. How many free people do we have in here today? Come on, come on somebody. How long has it been since you've asked him to forgive you, by the way? Don't sit in condemnation. Don't sit there with weights on you when Jesus said he'll take them from you. Come on, man. Come on. Don't walk in here heavy. Walk in here releasing everything to him. Give it to him. He'll take it from you. So, so, so the point is, is, with the table talk is, remember the only sin that can't be forgiven is the one you haven't confessed. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left his stain, but he washed me white as snow. There's not one sin. There's not one fault. There's not one failure. There's anything I want my kids to remember is that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. The only sin that can't be forgiven somebody in this building is the one you haven't confessed to him and told him about because his sacrifice was worthy enough. Never, never carry a burden when Jesus said, I will relieve you of that burden. Never get filled with anxiety when Jesus said, cast your cares upon me 
It's hard sometimes. I get, I, we all get anxiety. We all get worried. We all get fearful. Uh, if you don't, you're lying. Honestly, everyone's experienced something in their life, but the good news is, is that Jesus has the power and the authority, and he has the solution for your problem. He is not just somebody that you read about in the scripture. He's not just someone that you worship on a Sunday and a Wednesday perhaps, but he is the one that is there with you all the, all the day long. He walks with you. He talks with you. He hears what you say. He knows exactly what you're thinking from afar off. He knows the number of hairs on your head even if you are bald. He knows everything about you. He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you're going to do after service. He knows what your appetite is. He knows everything about you, you might as well talk to him. You might as well talk to him. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. He'll hear your latest cry. He'll answer by and by. <laughs> hear the little prayer wheel turning. Know the little fire's burning. Have a little talk with Jesus. Makes it right. Do you love him today? Tell him you love him right now. Come on. Tell him you love him. Don't look at me. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Tell him I love you, Lord. Tell him I love you, Lord. You're always there for me, Jesus. When no one's there for me, you're there for me, God. You never leave us or forsake us. He's more than just a man. He was God-man. He was God-man. <laughs> he got hungry on his mother's side, but he fed the 5,000 on his father's side. He went fishing on his mother's side, but he walked on water on his father's side. Is that how it goes? <laughs> he, he did things in his humanity, but broke barriers in his deity. He changed his garments and his body was transitioned on the mount called Mount Transfiguration. And he had a conversation with Elijah and he had a conversation with Moses. And he walked up on that mountain and he trusted the disciples of Peter, James, and John saw him, and they saw him transform. And they saw his garments turn white, and they saw his body begin to glow. And they looked at each other and were scared. They didn't know what to do. Mira, look at Jesus. Hijo. They're never going to believe this. I always think the disciples were Mexicano. I just, <laughs> I just envision them being Mexican. Leave me alone. I just, it's funner that way for me. <laughs> yeah. They knew at that moment, this isn't just an ordinary man. There's something different about this man. And Jesus told him after it was all done, he said, don't tell anybody what you saw. I want them to still to think I'm just a man. Because there's going to come a day where they're going to know who I really was. Blessed are, those, blessed are those, he said, who see, but blessed are those who don't see and still believe. You have never seen him in your life except by pictures. Maybe somebody's had a vision of him. I don't know. But see, you're here today worshiping Jesus, and you've never seen him before in your life, but you have evidence that he lives. 
And you come here today because you know that you have, don't have another advocate with the Father except through Jesus Christ. And you talk to him because you know he can answer you. And you worship him because you know he's God. We know who we worship. We know who he is. We know what he's capable of. If he showed up here right now, there wouldn't be one person who would walk out with the disease or a sickness in their body. That's all I'm saying. And all I'm saying is he promised us and he said, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. And when we start believing that, we start worshiping like that. We start speaking like that. We start praying like that. We start acting like that. And that's when God starts responding the way he wants to respond. Things happen when we get the answer. Always come to Jesus. Here's the message. Always come to Jesus for help. Always go to Jesus for answers before anybody else. Always go to Jesus first when it comes to provision. He'll never, he'll never sleep when you call on him. He won't tell you, come back later, come at another time. When you call on him, you won't get a message, and he won't go, I'm sorry, call me back later. I don't know what to say at that point. I don't know. I have a hard time making messages on my own phone. You ever just make a message after a message after a message? That don't sound right. That don't sound right. That don't sound like me. That sounds so stupid. He'll always answer you. The question you have to ask yourself is whether or not we're always listening. Huh? I heard a, I heard a, I heard a preacher say this one time. It's hard to hear the voice of God through the crunching of Lay's potato chips. I want to hear him. He's never too busy for me. I believe Jesus sits every single day waiting for me to say something. I believe he's there every single day waiting to hear something from you. You know, I really believe that God is even sitting, uh, just kind of waiting for some of you to come to him. And he's like, it's been a while since you really spent time with me. We put our trust in everything else, guys. Whatever happened to completely trusting Jesus, I thank God for every, every help and every person that he sent in my life. And I thank God he answers sometimes through people and things. But, but when it boils down to it, the source of every one of our blessings in life comes from the Lord. I choose to believe that because it keeps my faith, my faith intact. It keeps my faith alive. It keeps me aware. It lets me know that, that every time I have a problem, I don't have to call mom, dad. I don't have to call my wife. I don't have to call, call speaking Spanish, sorry, wrong service. I don't have to call my lawyer. I call on my advocate. I call on Jesus first. And when we get in the habit of calling on Jesus first, it builds our faith. Give him a chance first, somebody. That's all I'm saying. Give him a chance first. In conclusion, come on, man. In conclusion, I want to say this to you. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is still the answer and will always be the answer. Jesus is still the answer and will always be the answer. I, I was sitting, I, was, I went to a funeral last week. This week, I went to a funeral, and it was in the denomination that I came out of, and the, the priest was there with his robes, and 
with all the pomps and the glory and all of that, you know, surrounding him. And he started talking to the crowd. And as he was closing at the burial site, he said this. He said this. He, and I knew where he was coming from because I've kept up with a lot of what goes on in the world. And this is what most people believe. And I'm not trying to sound religious or dogmatic about my faith. But I'm having a table talk discussion today with my family. So I heard him talk and I heard him say this. And he said, he said, if you're here today and, and Buddha is your God, Allah and Muhammad is who you worship. If you're Hindu, he said, I want you to know that we all serve the same God and we're all going to the same place just like I believe in Jesus there is no difference he said and he was equating Jesus to every one of those other prophets and my kids were there one of my my boy was there I know he was old enough to distinguish the difference I've taught him well and spent time to explain that so he didn't bother me at all to try to come back and have that discussion with him. In fact, he brought it up to me first, I think, before I brought it up to him. Because we've had some table talk discussions and I've told them once before. I've even told my kids, guys, I, I don't mind you taking a picture with Santa Claus. I don't mind all the candy canes and all that, but I want you to remember you got presents in your, in your house because Jesus blessed us with them. My kids have been the rain of somebody's parade and they've gone before and said, you know what? Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> what do you mean Santa Claus? Jesus gave you those gifts. <laughs> so we don't mind the little chubby guy coming around and, you know, used to let the kids make cookies for him. But the truth is we know where our good things come from. But I taught my kids that Jesus is the only way. And I wanted that moment to say to in my nature, I would, you know, wanted to say something like, sorry, sir, that's wrong, man. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But that would be religious, and that would be a waste of breath because he was trying to bring unity, and that wasn't the place nor the time. But in moments like that, when the rest of the world is saying, it doesn't matter what you believe, there has to be a group of people that still believe the basics and the origin of our salvation comes through Jesus Christ without shame without peer pressure without intimidation there has to be a group of people that still stand up for Jesus Christ and say he is my Lord and my Savior he is everything to me he wasn't just a prophet he was a son of man the son of God he was God in human flesh and I worship Jesus and you may go that way you may go the Hindu way, you may go the Buddhist way, you may go that way, but he said he's the only way. And I've never in my life heard of anybody saying, Buddha healed me. Hinduism saved me. How did Krishna, is he a guy or is that a dance? I don't know. Deliver free from alcohol and drugs. But I have heard this before. 
Jesus healed my body. Jesus touched my mind. Jesus lifted my burdens. Jesus healed my cancer. Jesus forgave me of my sins. Jesus turned my life around. Here it goes. Jesus brought me out of the miry clay. I'm just asking, has Jesus done anything for anybody? We're just talking as a family. He saved my soul. He brought me out of darkness in his marvelous, in his marvelous light. Ha ha ha. And nobody, ain't nobody can do me like Jesus. Nobody, nobody can touch me like Jesus can touch me. I can come into a church service and I can meditate on him, but my meditation will lead eventually to praise. And my praise will eventually lead to worship. And my worship will ultimately go, ultimately go into intimacy. And there's one thing I know for sure. My Jesus is alive. My Jesus is well. My Jesus isn't sleeping. He's not just a story in history. My Jesus is my Savior. Somebody clap your hands to Him. Do it. Ain't nobody can do me like Jesus. Do it right now. Do it right now. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.